G'day and welcome to AOS Coach. In this video, I'm going to look at White Dwarf issue 470 and its new rules for the Cities of Sigma. You may have seen in previous White Dwarf magazines that have been expanding some of the battle tomes. Armies like the Sons of Behemoth, Seraphon, and Slaves of Darkness, just to name a few. Through this White Dwarf, Cities of Sigma armies are going to gain two mount trait enhancements, one grand strategy, two battle tactics, as well as some additional lore, path to glory rules, and some open play campaigns set in the Realm of Shadow. Unlike other White Dwarf rule expansions, there is no core battalions for the Cities of Sigma. So let's actually unpack this and look at exactly what you're going to get if you are a Cities player. Cities of Sigma gain a set of mount traits that are added to your allegiance ability. Now there are two mount traits to choose from and the way you get it is one hero with the griffin or the black dragon variant will gain this as a mount trait. It is an enhancement so you're going to get your first one for free just like your spells, your artifacts and things like that. So who is eligible for one of these mount traits? Well it'll be things like your free guild general on griffin your Battle Mage on Griffin, your Dreadlord on Black Dragon, as well as your Sorceress on Black Dragon. Now, there is no mount traits for the other mounts. Things like your Frostheart Phoenix, your Fire Phoenix, even your Steam Tank with its commander, they are not eligible for any of these mount traits. So when we look at the Griffin, what is the Griffin? It is Soaring Guardian, and what essentially happens is when this model is slain for the first time, it will return on the battlefield with D3 wounds on a 2+. Now, when you bring it back, now first off, you got to roll that two plus, right? So fingers crossed for you, you know, once it dies once, um, if, you, if it continues to die, you can't keep bringing it back. It's just that first time that it dies. You roll that two plus, and what happens is you get to set it up anywhere on the battlefield so long as it's outside of nine inches from all enemies. So you got some flexibility. You don't have to just bring it back on the spot. With your Black Dragon variant, you have a Noxious Breath weapon. So each of these dragons have the exact same weapon profile with its Dragon Breath. And instead of doing Mortal Wounds on a 6, you are now doing it on a 5+. So I will unpack in this video a little bit later what this all means and how you might optimize around the mount traits. But just know they're the two different sets of rules. There is one new grand strategy to choose from for Cities of Sigma, and that is Mighty Beachhead. Mighty Beachhead requires you to control more terrain features than your opponent by the end of the game. Now, there is one interesting caveat here, and I'll talk about it in a minute, but the interesting piece and why maybe I wouldn't choose this over one of the other grand strategies is that if my opponent brings a faction terrain, a loon shrine, a herdstone, just to name a few, it counts as three terrain, it counts as three features essentially. So if I want to score my objective, and let's say there is the traditional eight pieces of terrain on the table, you don't bring faction terrain. It means that for me to score this battle tactic, I need to probably control about four to five pieces of terrain, depending on where it is and if they're being claimed or not by your opponent. But if you, my opponent, brings a faction piece of terrain, then there's going to be a whole lot more or I'm forced to kind of go and claim that faction terrain, which often can be quite hard because a lot of people will want to protect that piece of terrain because it gives them various buffs. What you'll often find is that most lists won't want to split their attention between claiming terrain features, trying to score their battle tactics, trying to kill their heroes, trying to keep their models in synergy. Now, while we're playing in this 2021 General's Handbook, which is the Gurish Heartlands Battle Pack, 
you are probably better off choosing the Predator's Domain, which is essentially the same rules minus the faction terrain feature element. So if you are wanting to do something like claiming terrain and it works on your narrative or whatever it might be, I'd probably lean off right now in a Predator's Domain. But if I was playing my local game store, I'm probably happy to play this one, but it probably isn't strong enough for me to move away from something like Hold the Line, which is clearly a lot easier for a Cities of Sigma player. There are two new battle tactics to add to your arsenal, along with the ones in the battle pack you're playing in. Banners Held High allows you to pick two objective markers that are not wholly within your territory and are more than 12 inches apart. If you have a standard bearer model within one inch of both of those objectives, you will score the battle tactic. Now, the good thing for us is that there is a lot of Cities of Sigma units that have a standard bearer model. Your Dark Shards, your Free Guild Guard, your Longbeards, your Demigriff Knights, your Phoenix Guard, just to name a few. Now, check your War Scroll, but you will find that most, not all, but most of the troop options will come with a standard bearer model. The other battle tactic to choose from is Sanctify. Now, this is super situational because it requires you to have a unit of flagellants. No one else can score this other than flagellants. If your flagellants are not currently on an objective that is partially or wholly within enemy territory, and you pick the battle tactic, if that unit of flagellants is within six inches of that objective that is partially or fully uh, within enemy territory, you will score the battle tactic. So you can't use it in your home objective so long as it's outside of your home, your home zone essentially, um, and your flagellants weren't already on the objective, you'll score this one. This is likely to be an easy battle tactic to score, but the question will be, do you want to spend points on flagellants? They are cheap. You can make them battle line if your general is a human. However, you could also then avoid them and put them into a Dwarden or an Elf kind of list and actually deny your opponent that easy broken ranks option. They don't synergize very well because every other unit that used to have the Devoted of Sigma keyword didn't actually make it into Cities of Sigma. There is a good chance if your opponent sees them uh, in your list, they'll likely ignore it. And if they do target them, well, who cares? Because that damage is not going into all your good stuff. I mentioned at the top of the video that we would loop back to the mount traits, and I want to unpack this a little bit more. Because I really like the Griffins. They are some of my favorite models in the Cities of Sigma. I own three of them. And the reason I have a couple of them, first off, is that they act as a good solo monster. And they can do a decent amount of damage. Look, they're not Archaeon. They're not some type of world beater. But for the point value, they're actually quite good. You know, especially when you think about adding your free guild general with the Lance. When they hit the charge, they can do some decent damage. And we'll talk a bit more about loadouts. And you can do some things with it as well. But, you know, just generally on its war scroll, it's pretty solid. When I pick a free guild general on Griffin, my favorite lists include things in Tempest Eye, where I can get plus three inches on its move for the first uh, for the first turn, as well as getting plus one to the armor save in that first turn. So it makes it a little bit more durable, and I get to pick the, the fights that I want to pick um, with that extra movement. Hammer Hall allows me to fight twice or get an extra fight at the end of the combat uh, for a command point so long as that the griffin is in enemy territory so uh making sure that you're able to get across the line uh, is very important especially making it wholly within you need to be on the other side the other the other ways i look at the griffin is things like 
getting a bit of combat punch into builds that aren't normally combat focused. Things like Greywater Fastness, even Hallow Heart, where you're probably putting a lot of your points into the magic or to the uh, your war machines. Having a bit of combat punch and especially a lot of movement like the Free Guild General, that can do a lot in there. So something to consider and it's a solo agent. But if you don't want it to be a solo agent and you want to build around uh, the Griffin, you know, you might look at the command phase ability that allows you to have a really good support to your Free Guild units. And things like your Demigriffs and your Pistoliers will work really nicely with the Free Guild General on Griffin. Now, both of your Griffins get to come back with those d3 wounds on the two plus so you may want to consider setting them up uh, away from combat you know that you don't want them just to come back and then die again and you know you can't come back a second time right so looking for things like pulling them out of combat when they die put them uh, either in your opponent's territory or your home territory depending on your setup you know if you are able to put it in your opponent's territory that's awesome it makes things like Savage Spearhead, the battle tactic, easier to score. But you might want to then complement the, the Griffin coming back by using a, uh, a, a heal. You might Whether you have Seer Wounds in Hallow Heart, you want to use your heroic action to bring back an extra D3 based on a leadership test or bravery test. You know, there's a lot of different ways you can kind of boost that up a little bit and then get back into the fight or maybe terrorize an opponent from the backfield or the side of the board. Your Battle Mage on Griffin um, doesn't feature too often in lists. I think it's a bit underserviced, and I guess the challenge is when I have a, uh, a Battle Mage on Griffin versus something like the Hurricanum, you are normally taking the Hurricanum because of the mortal wound damage you can do from the Storm of Shemtech. But I think it's it's time to revisit the, the Griffin. I think the Battle Mage on Griffin has some good things to add you get a durable wizard it has 13 wounds it has really good movement again being a, a bird it can fly obviously but you know not only that you get the Gur battle mage spell which is a very very popular stormcast have just find, found out about it and the spell i'm talking about is wild form that gets you plus two to the run and charge rolls of the target so if you're running gotrek if you've got some type of you know phoenix guard or great swords or some type of damage dealing um, monster out there and you often find that the little battle mage is not fast enough to kind of keep up or you can get out of threat ranges the battle mage has the same spell obviously a little bit more expensive but it can catch up and have a bit more of a board presence You've also got the Amber Spear, which is another great spell that it has where you draw a line of sight and you can do some damage. I really like the um, Battle Mage on Griffin in armies like Tempest Eye because it gives me a mobile aura to glory. It could be a really good beacon for your Hallow Heart when you use Arcane Channeling. And if you are dipping into things like Luminous Realm Lords, it could be a great way to kind of synergize with the wizard boosts that are given through uh, Settler's Gain. With the Noxious Breath attacks, I'm going to focus mostly on the Black Dragon, and I'll explain why in a second. But you've got to really remember, and it sounds great, you know, Mortal Wounds on a 5, right? It sounds really good, especially with the Breath Weapon. The problem for me is that the range is only 6 inches, which means to get the most out of the, the damage output, you're going to have to be close to your opponent. You're going to need especially to pick models that are more of a horde style. So going into a hero, great. You've got a, a, a 1 in 3 chance of doing a mortal wound. You really want to find units of 5, 10, 20. Obviously, the more models you can fit within 6 inches, the better. 
I went through, given that it's now a five plus, I went through and tried to find, is there any way to reduce that from a five to a four? Because it's not a to hit roll. It is, you're just rolling uh, a set of dice based on who is within six. And then for every five or six, depending on if you get the trade or not, it does a mortal wound. So what it means is I can't use all that attack to bring that from a five to a four. But it also means if I was to use the Unleash Hell Command ability and someone was to charge me, I get to ignore that modifier too. I can't find any other way to bring that from a 5 to a 4. If you know, let me know, but I can't find any way to bring that down even more. When I look at my Dreadlord, I really like it in, uh, there's a couple of lists I really like it in. For example, Mist Harven, which is one of the cities from uh, Broken Realms and Rathi. Um, Mist Harven or even Living City allows you to come in from reserve. Um, the Mist Harven one, for example, lets you come around anywhere on the board uh, as long as you're outside of an enemy or your Living City can come from the side of, of the board, right? So pretty tasty if you want to kind of ambush the, the Dreadlord on Black Dragon. If you are going in something like Harkuron, uh, it allows you to have one in four of your units to be Daughters of Cain, which means that you could have Marathi as well as the Dreadlord on Black Dragon kind of running around trying to dominate the table. I mentioned Tempest Eye earlier. I love Tempest Eye for that plus one armor save, plus three move. But in addition to this, you know, you can get a command trait in Tempest Eye that lets you run and charge as well. So it means that, you know, you're... Your Black, Dreadlord on Black Dragon could literally be anywhere on the table with a run and charge ability. Things like Living Cities as well allows you to come in from reserve, but it comes in from that table edge. And if you do arm your Dreadlord with, I think it's a crossbow, there's like a little shooting attack that's not the Noxious Breath. Um, it, it does allow you then to, um, to come in from reserve, shoot at something, and then it's got a command ability at the end of the shooting phase that allows them to make an extra move in the shooting phase so when you start look i think it's called strike uh, strike away or it's like melt melt away i think it is whatever it might be but long story short you could you could do some pretty nice movement shenanigans with the dreadlord or black dragon coming in from reserve and with either the griffin or the the dreadlord on black dragon if you're in living cities you could equip it with the spear of the hunt which could then make your lance a ren three attack on the charge and uh, it also allows you to fight first in combat, which is pretty tasty. Uh, and the Dreadlord really needs it. Without that type of, you know, combat weapon, most of his attacks are like rend minus one. So not the most consistent damage output. Now, I mentioned that, you know, I focus mostly on the Dreadlord. And the primary reason for that is the Sorceress on Black Dragon. You'd look at this and go, wow, it's an imposing model. Uh, it's got It's got a five up save. For me, that kills me. It really does kill me. I would love this this sorceress on Black Dragon to go in and have some real damage protection as well as the damage, you know. But it's a bit of a glass cannon, even if you were to put on the uh, was it the Amulet Destiny things like that. It works really well with Darkling Coven. I just wouldn't build a strategy around the Noxious Breath with the sorceress on Black Dragon because it will die pretty quickly. If I was going to take the sorceress on Black Dragon. Hallow Heart, Anvil Guard, Harkiron, um, all three of those cities would work quite well. Obviously, there's use cases, and I'm not saying don't put your Sorceress on Black Dragon in, I don't know, Anvil Guard, uh, not Anvil Guard, but uh, Greywater Fastness or even the Phoenician. I'm not saying that, but I just find that whether it's the spell law, the command abilities, the artifacts that are available, they probably work a bit better for these particular models. 
So as a free guild player, I'm pretty happy with these options. And I mentioned earlier, I've got three Griffins, and it's definitely the boost that I think they needed. For points, they were a little bit high because they were paying for the sins of the Sword of Judgment from a few years ago. The Black Dragon mount traits are a little bit hit and miss for me, especially as I mentioned, the Sorceress on Black Dragon is definitely a miss. I won't be rushing out to pick up a uh, Sorceress on Black Dragon just to make that Noxious Breath a 5+. plus. If she finds herself into combat or she finds herself, you know, close to an enemy, great. I'd love those mortal wounds, but it's definitely not a strategy I would build around. I probably would have preferred if I was writing the rules to extend the range, if I'm being honest, but I'm not a rules writer. I personally wouldn't take the grand strategy if I was going to a tournament. It is a fun alternative for my local games club. Uh, the battle tactics are certainly achievable. And if I was taking flagellants or I was con considering taking flagellants, look, I realize it's not everyone's cup of tea. I personally own 140 of them. So if anyone wants to buy any, I can happily sell you some. No, actually, no, I really like my flagellants. But, um, you know, for most people who are like, oh, where do I spend these points? I'm sure there's a lot of other options out there. But this is an easy battle tactic to score. Interestingly enough for me, there was nothing that was for the Duarden, which is probably only going to fuel the rumor mills that Grumnir is coming back. He's going to unite the dwarves in in some something's going on soon. And I was surprised as well to see that our Phoenix friends got nothing as well. I thought the Phoenixes especially, I know they get a lot of stuff, but I would have imagined our Frost and Fire Phoenixes might have got something. This White Dwarf article really makes me feel like the Dawnbringer Crusades, which is either going to be a rebrand of the Cities of Sigma or an expansion to the Cities of Sigma, isn't coming anytime soon. It's hard to see the Dawnbringer Crusades are coming in the next couple of months when you've got this White Dwarf. You know, it feels like it's a bit of a delay or a bit of a hold, hold the line for a little bit. And, uh, you know, other armies are going to get updates in their battle time soon. And who knows what the supply chain has happened. But hey... I'd be curious to hear from you what you think of the Cities of Sigma update from the White Dwarf. Has it changed any of your list design? Are you thinking about picking up a Griffin or a Black Dragon or putting it just back into your list? Maybe it's been a while since you ran a Griffin or a Black Dragon. Is there any combinations from the Cities of Sigma that I didn't mention that you think is worth calling out? Really want you to leave it in the comment section. You know, I mentioned the Spear of the Hunt, for example, as a great um, uh, weapon artifact from Living City that would go nicely with our Lance-bearing uh, Free Guild General on Griffin or the Dreadlord on Black Dragon. But I'm sure there's lots of different articles, uh, artifacts and other, you know, command traits and, uh, you know, a lot of things within the book. I didn't talk about some of the cities, things like the Phoenician, things like the, um, the Excelsius, there's a lot of cities that we didn't talk a lot about. We didn't dig too much deeper into Mistharven, but you know, there's a lot of you know a lot of conversations we can have. Leave it in the comment section. Join the Discord if you haven't already, and let's discuss it as a Sigma. Overall, pretty happy with it. But hey, I am a mustache wearing codpiece lover, uh, puffy shirt wearer. That's me. Thanks for sticking around until the end. I hope you found that video interesting and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would appreciate it if you hit like on the video as well as left me a comment. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section below. 
The conversation will continue over on Discord. So links down below in the episode description if you want to join the Discord and continue the Age of Sigma conversation. I want to give a massive shout out as well to these absolute bloody legends, these champions who have continued to support me through Patreon or YouTube members. That is going directly into supporting the maintenance and the growth of this channel. So thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. And until next time, roll more sixes.